So uh, I'll just want to start by just expressing my own heart. I'm just excited for what the Lord is doing with us. This is really unimaginable. I never would have imagined um, um, this actually ever happening. Not, not because he never wanted it. it just, it's unheard of. It's just unheard of to have two th- really thriving ministries, um, um, you know, for no other reason but, man, the Lord's telling us to do this to get together and merge together. And, uh, um, I, you know, going back to the 10 conference that we had here uh, a couple years ago, um, I remember that was like at the right at the beginning of, of Newbridge starting. And, um, you know, getting to know these two guys. And I was just, I remember standing back during one of the worship times, and these two were up there, up on the, just worshiping Jesus, just like they do. I'm looking at them like, man, these two guys are amazing. You know, what meekness and humility to come join together. You don't hear of lead pastors submitting themselves to one another. It's just not heard of. I was like, these are dudes that I will run with. These are the type of guys I want to run with. Well, lo and behold, the Lord answered that prayer. I wasn't even praying it. It was just the wish of my heart. And here we are, we get to run together. And so I'm so, so excited. Well, good. Well, uh, tonight we're going to, um, I'm going to take us into um, a, a few scriptures. I, I really want to. Uh, us to have more of an experience with the Lord and then just have hear about theology. Theology is great, but theology doesn't save anybody. An experience, an experience with Jesus Christ where he comes and personally meets us is not only what saves us, but it gets us into what we were created to do and created to be, why we even exist. There's a purpose and a reason why you and I exist at this moment, and that purpose and uh, um, um, that, that, that with why we exist, it has so much more uh, uh, elements to it than we could possibly ever think or imagine. If you think about it for just a moment, we're going to look here in the scripture, but think about it for just a moment. Every breath that you take and I take right now is given to us because he wants us to have it. We are not self-sufficient. I, I hate to break the news to us, but we're not self-sufficient. We didn't even think of ourselves to be here. This is all God's plan. He, his, and his goodness of his own imagination, heart, however it works in the, in the Godhead, he thought of you and I and said, I want you to be here in this age, in this time, like in 2000, the 21st century. And I, I want you also not only live in the 21st century, but I want you to live in a certain location. And he determines the boundaries of where we live. And he says, I want you to do that so that you may know me in that place. We're created for his workmanship. I want us to turn to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> and we're going to use this as our launching pad tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I will turn there with us. And I'm really, uh, the Lord's been laying on my heart as of recently, I don't know, for a time now. Just the importance and the desire, in my, I guess I'll say it this way, he's laid upon my heart to really live the real thing. To just live the real thing. To do this thing that we call church. You know, Jesus did not die on the cross. He didn't come, God did not come in, in the form of man, go 30 years of not being known, three and a half years of ministry, then die a humiliating death, 
be buried for three days in the grave, rise again and ascend to the Father so we could go to church. He did it so we could be the church. And that's my heart's desire, that we would be the church. Because it's so easy to just go, just get into the rhythms of life, uh, which is usually, you know, work, family, church, work, family, church, work, family, church, and that's good. But in the midst of all of that, we've been created for something so much more, and that's to give life to this earth, to give eternal life through us, through Christ Jesus in us, bringing life to earth. And so Ephesians 2 verse 10 just stuck out to me this morning as I was reading uh, with our, in devotions with our kids this morning. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to read it again just because it's that good. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I are God's workmanship. A master creator, a master inventor, invented you and I, invented mankind, specifically you and I as individuals, and and generally as mankind, as his workmanship. You know, to understand the story, understand a story, you never start in the middle of a story, do you? And you never usually just go to the end of the story, but where do you start? You have to start in the beginning of the story. And that's where I want to take us tonight for a moment, is take us to the beginning of the story. Because in the beginning of the story, we see why he made us his workmanship and the purpose, and it helps give us identity. In Genesis 2, we know the story, God creating the heavens and the earth, and then he creates man. And this is what he says about mankind. This is you and I, not just Adam and Eve. He says, I want to make them in our image. In the image of God, I want to make them. I want them to be in our likeness and have dominion over all the earth. It says, so God created mankind. He created them in his image. Both male and female, he created them. He created us in his likeness. Out of all of creation, out of all of the the span of all the galaxies, of all of the intricacies of of every living cell and living, living organism, there's nothing like mankind. Only we are created in his image, in his likeness. Only we are created with such uh, 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 capacities to actually have the eternal Godhead to actually live inside of us, to dwell in us. As I say it, my mind just says, Gabe, that makes no sense. How can that even happen? And that's the mysteries of God. I don't know, but I love it. You know, in Isaiah 66, verse 1, Jesus, uh, the Lord says, he says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. He says, where's the house you're going to build for me? He says, there's nothing you could build for me because my hands have already made it. I've made it. There's nothing you can make. But he says this. He says, but this is what I look upon. In other words, he says, this is where I choose to dwell. I choose to dwell dwell in those who have a contrite, broken, and a humble heart. He says, that's the ones I look upon. In other words, that's the ones I choose to dwell in. You and I have been created to have the living God live inside of us and us partner with him in creation and bringing life, glory, and strength, and beauty to his creation. We've been, we're made in his workmanship. We know the verse, he says, well, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I've gone through eight births now, and every one of those ones, every one of those births, it's a miracle. I cannot figure out how this, I mean, okay, I, I do get how it works. I've been asked that question many times. You know how that works. Yes, I do know how it works. 
But I, what I don't understand is how God m creates us in the womb of a woman, using man and putting man and woman together, and then creates in the, in the womb of a woman and then gives life through the woman. And then is able to use, you know, to, to, and to be able to, to get nourishment from, from, from the woman. It's an amazing, miraculous thing. If you've ever been part of a birth and never seen it, you'd know. You're just sitting there. If, you haven't, if you're the father and haven't passed out, you could actually appreciate, wow, this is amazing. This is, this is so miraculous because of how God has made us. He's made you and I unique. We have so much purpose in life. We are the crown of his creation. But he, he made us for his workmanship, and this is what he says. He says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. See, we were created for good works. Now, the good works we usually think of is going, doing nice charitable things and, uh, you know, being kind to one another and helping somebody out and helping the old lady across the street, and those are all good. But there's so much more he's created us for. And we can see this again in the beginning of the story. He prepared us for good works to walk in them before, uh, 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 he pre prepared them beforehand. We look at the story in Genesis. We see that God creates the heavens and the earth. And he begins, and there's, just, there's these elements of the earth and all the elements of the heavens there. And he takes those things and he begins to form them and make them. And the first thing he makes, he, gets, he, makes, he makes light. And he separates the light from the, from the darkness, day and night. And it's important to understand, important to notice here, at this point, there's no sun and moon. Sort of interesting, isn't it? What is that light that he made? The very first thing he makes is light, but sun and moon haven't come for another three or four days. And so this light he makes, I believe it's actually the glory of God and the glory of Christ. And he separates the night from the day, and then he makes the, the, the heavens, and he separates the waters, and he makes the sky uh, and it separates the sky from the earth, and he creates the heavens on the second day. And then on the third day, he brings the dry ground out from the earth, and he brings uh, the vegetation on the third day. And then on the fourth day, he creates all the sea creatures all over the earth, all in the waters. He creates every living kind of sea creature. Just think about it for a moment. There's, a, there's thousands of them, from octopi to whales to fish and other little creatures that are all out in the sea. And he makes all of those on that next day, and they fill up the, the entire sea. And then on the fifth day... He makes, he, makes land, he makes animals, and he brings out the animals. And then as on that, that last day before he rests, he gets the crown of his, of his creation. That's where you and I come in. Mankind comes in. And then he takes man, and he says, I'm going to place you in a garden. And he makes this garden. Now, we have to remember, a garden is something that's actually cultivated, right? You don't have a garden unless there's cultivation, unless you make it and create it and, and, and make it beautiful. It, a garden just doesn't exist. You can't go into the wilderness and find a garden. A garden has to have order to it. It has to have uh, symmetry to it. And he creates this little place, this little location in Eden, this garden, and he makes it and he makes man, and as he makes man, he places man there and he says, I want you now to do what I just did. I want you to take all of my creation, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to have dominion over it. Now, usually when we think about fruitful and multiplying, we think of children. I know this because people always ask me this question or tell me that. You must take that really literal to be fruitful and multiply. I take the Bible literally. 
But he's not just talking about multiplication of children and population. He's saying, be fruitful and multiply what I've given to you, what I put on creation, what I put on the earth. I want you to take it, cultivate it, care for it, maintain it, and I want you to make it fruitful and I want you to multiply it. And I want this is, because he says, this is what I do. I take that which is chaos and disorder that has no life to it, and I bring life and order to it. I bring beauty to it and goodness. And says, this is what I want you to do, man and woman, mankind. I want you to take that which has no order, which has, is chaos and has no life, and I want you to bring order, life, and beauty to it and goodness to it. This is how we're made in his image. See, he prepared the works beforehand to show us, and then he tells us, okay, this is what I want you to do. It says in, uh, uh, um, I, I actually read this first, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, he blessed them and said, have, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So God makes this whole earth, he creates that garden. And now we have to remember this. He has the entire earth, think of the entire earth, and on that entire earth, there's living creatures, and there's wilderness, and there's just stuff that he created, all the trees, all the vegetation, all the sea, and all of the animals in the sea, all the sea creatures. And he's placed only one small location. He's placed that garden. And now he says, go, and I want you to be like me. Now, we know the story. Adam and Eve don't last for very long, do they? And they end up deciding, you know what, we don't want to do it the way you do it. We want to do it our own way. And they take up the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and decide to do it their own way instead of God's way. And we know the rest of that story because we're in it at the moment where we see there's chaos, death, and disorder. Sin enters the earth. And now what was made, meant to be bringing, bring life and beauty, in there now comes death, chaos, hurt, and pain, sickness, disease. But here's the good news. We don't only know the beginning of the story. We know the end of the story. And we know this about the end of the story, is that there's going to be a man, another man that comes back. This man is Jesus, the second man. And he's going to come back, and when he returns, he's going to bring heaven to earth. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, heaven and earth ceased to exist together. They were, once again, they were separated. But when Jesus returns, he's bringing, we're going to literally see the heavens and the earth become one. He's going to bring them back together as one. And he's going to do that, and he's going to bring it, and it's going to be a heavenly Jerusalem over the, 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 the earthly Jerusalem, and there's going to be no more tears, there's going to be no more pain, there's going to be sorrow, no more sickness. And Jesus, as the new man, you know, in this city, it talks about in Revelation 22, there's also um, um, a, a tree of life that's there. We see there's a tree of life in the garden, right? And then there's not just one tree of life in this, at the end of the story, but there's multiple of them. And those, tree, those trees of life, are, it says, is there for the healing of the nations. It's actually going to be cultivating the nations. That which is in chaos and disorder, it'll now continue to be in order in life and beauty because of what Jesus, the leadership of Jesus. We also see that in the beginning of the story, God makes light and there is no sun. We see at the end of the story, in this heavenly Jerusalem, in this, when he brings heaven to earth, there's, in this place where he dwells, it says there's not going to be any need for the sun because there will be no night there because he is the light. He's bringing it back together just what he started in the beginning. He's going to do it at the end. There's also in the garden, there was a, there was a river that flew, 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 didn't flew, it flowed out of the garden. And that river, I believe, had life in it. 
Because there's a river that comes from the throne of God. We see this in Ezekiel, and we see this in the Revelation. There is a spiritual heavenly river that flows, and everything that touches it has life. This is a river you cannot drown in. Everything in it is life. There's no death in this river. You go as deep as you want. I don't know how this is all going to work. <laughs> because, again, it's beyond our, what we could possibly think or even imagine. But some, I've, I've sort of figured... If we can't even drown in this river, that means that we can sort of do that whole water world to be living underwater and be like, be like the fish. It's going to be amazing. I don't know how this all works. You think, Abe, you're getting crazy. But I don't know. The word says it. And there's a life. There's a river that flows. And it, everything it touches, it brings life. And it goes through, throughout all the valleys. And when it touches the sea, it's going to heal the sea. It's going to bring life instead of death. And that's what's coming. That's what was in the garden. And that's what's coming when Jesus returns again. And it says this, too, that the kings of the earth, when he returns, are going to bring gifts to him, and they're going to say, teach us your ways. We want to know your ways. Teach us your ways because we want this in our nation. This is really good. We want this, and we see that your leadership is perfect, and so we're gonna they're going to submit their leadership, which is pretty powerful because actually what we're seeing in this little merge here, and I think what the Lord is doing throughout the earth, he's causing the believers and leaders to say, you know what, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to submit our leadership to one another. It's a character of God. That's what he does. And that's what, that's what Jesus does with the Father, and likewise, that's what the nations are going to do with Jesus. They're going to say, they're going to come back to what Adam and Eve first had and say, Father, what is good and what is evil? That's good. I, I take that. That's evil. Okay, we won't do that. And we're going to come out, and they're going to be spreading heaven on earth. And what Adam and Eve, the first mankind, were meant to do, which is take the glory of God throughout the entire earth so the earth would be covered with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the sea, Jesus is going to do. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more, no more hatred, no more anger, and there will be no more suffering. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Because that's the whole story. That's the point of you and I. Our purpose it was not just to live 80 years, die, and then go live in the great by and by somewhere, or not the great by and by somewhere, but we were to be created to be in his likeness and his image to do what he does. Take those things, again, that have no life, that are chaotic, with no order, and bring beauty to them. Now, just as mankind without getting spiritual, we do this. We're the only creatures that can do this. I, uh, uh, I'm a musician, and uh, so I play the guitar. And every time I play the guitar, there's this instrument, right, that has no life within itself. It can't do anything. It's just an object. But as soon as I exert my dominion over it and do what I want it to do, I can make it sound beautiful. And I can make it bring life. You see, when you give leadership to something, maybe leadership in your home or leadership in your work or you do anything in your work, it could be even sweeping the floor, whatever it is, as you exert your authority over your dominion and create or make things that are sustainable, that are life and that are good, that's actually the image of God. Every one of us does that, whether we have Jesus or not. We all have that capacity as mankind. You know, God creates the apple tree. And the apple tree is there. And if you just have an apple tree in the wilderness, it produces some good apples and it'll be just fine. But if you get a man to go and cultivate that apple tree and make an orchard, well, then he could what? He could produce many more apples, which brings much more life, and he can make it also very beautiful and produce much more things. 
That's the image of God that he's placed in us, that ability to take what he's created and cultivate and care for it and maintain it and bring life. Do you see it? So in, as just as mankind in general, just without getting spiritual with Jesus at the moment, because we're going to get there in a second, just as humans, that is our honor, that's our glory, that's what God's created you and I to do. But there's so much more than just playing the little stringed instrument or cultivating an apple tree that God's created us for. He didn't create us just to be gardeners, and he didn't create us just to uh, 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 do things that might sound beautiful or look beautiful, but they have no life in them. But he's created us to not only have his life in us, the eternal life, the, as he says it, it's the rivers of living water, just to reside in us, but it's to flow out of us throughout this earth, and that only comes through Jesus Christ. And so we know the beginning of the story, and we hear just now about the end of the story, but where is that about us right now in the middle of the story? Because that's where we're at. We're in the middle of the story. Now, we talked about Jesus. He's going to be returning. I want to talk about Jesus when he first did, when he first came. Because when Jesus first came, in his first coming 2,000 years ago, he brought heaven to earth. He brought, the, he brought the seed of the kingdom, or he brought what was there in the garden, and him and his person, his person, he brought that to earth. And then he began to do ministry and bring the disciples around, and he began to demonstrate and show it. And so he would come upon a sick person, and he would pray for that sick person, or he would just say, sick person, be healed. And they would what? They would be healed. He would exert his dominion over that which was chaos and brought death, and he brought life to it. And he goes around and he preaches and he expounds on this heavenly kingdom that was there in the garden but that was lost in the fall and that he's going to bring back in fullness in a time ahead. But then he brings it and he begins to expound on it. And as he speaks about it, the scribes and the Pharisees, though that, those people that knew the word in the scriptures and that have grown up in the church, I could say it that way, they hear him and they say, there's something different about what, how he's saying and what he's saying because he has authority. There's an authority on it. The people are like, hey, he's not like the other guys. There's something deep within him. When he speaks, it pierces my heart. You see, because the words that he created were not just for communication purposes, but they're to bring life. Grace to the hearer, if you want to put it that way. Grace empowerment to, to others. And so when Jesus begins to speak and he begins to expound on the word of God and expound on the kingdom of God, there's an authority in his word. And he demonstrates it with his, with over, over sickness and disease and he, he demonstrates it over the natural elements. When there's the storms, he says, calm and be still. That again, which was chaotic, brought death and disorder. He brings life. We know the gospel. We know the story of the cross. We're singing about it tonight. You know, he takes our sin and he takes the fall of mankind and he bears the responsibility of that. He becomes our failure. He becomes our chaos. He becomes our death. And he takes it to the grave. And then he raises again. And that resurrection is so vital because if he does not rise again, there is no hope for any of us. That was just a good prophet man, did not, was not the son of God. He was confirmed as the son of God because he defeated death. 
because death is the last enemy. Death is the ultimate enemy. Remember what he said to Adam and Eve. If you eat of that and you take it and try to do it your own way, you're going to what? Have what? Death. You will die. And he took death, and he took death to the grave, but then he overcame and rose again. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. He ascends to the Father, but he leaves us a promise. And this is the promise. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will give you my Holy Spirit. The same spirit, Romans says, that rose him from the grave is the same spirit that he gives to us. He says, I will ask of the Father, and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that when Jesus was baptized, and uh, he comes up again, the, 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 the Spirit falls upon him like a dove. It's that same Holy Spirit that he gives to us. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary to conceive him in her womb is the same Holy Spirit that he gives to us today. That is the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will give you the Holy Spirit because I am going to do as, as the Father has sent me, I shall now send you. You will go and take that which is of disorder and chaos and as of death, and you're going to bring it life. And you're going to be a first promise, a first fruit, a guarantee. Uh, I'm buying a house right now, so it's like the earnest money. I'm going to give that to you of what is to come, but people are going to see it. And when they believe upon it, they're going to be able to experience the same thing you've experienced. In other words, he brought heaven and earth into this garden right here. He brought heaven into this soil, this earth, and made them one again. And he did that in you. God has given us the Holy Spirit not just to help us get through life, but to actually bring heaven to earth. To actually be the promise of what is to come. We are the down payment. Those who believe and are filled with the Spirit are the down payment. They're the guarantee of his resurrection and what is to come. The guarantee of his resurrection is this, is that he's coming back. There's a real man with a real body named Jesus. He's a Nazarite. He's from Israel. And he's actually in the spiritual realm in heavenly somewhere, but as a man. And he is coming back again. And he's going to restart the whole thing again. And here's the good news. He was started in a garden with two people. is going to end in a city because there's going to be a lot of people. And we're in that in-between right now where we don't see what we have, where it's coming, but we know it's real because of what we have inside and it's something we could give to others. It's something that you can, you and I have the capability of giving to others because it's something we possess. When you possess something, you can give it. What I'm waking us up to is our possession, what God has given to us. You see, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that are prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the end of that scripture, the end of that verse, the end of that sentence. That we should walk in those good works that he's prepared beforehand. You see, the, uh, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the things that he gives to us, which are the supernatural, the things of heaven that he brings to earth that are inside of us, are not made up of us. We don't, it wasn't something we contrived. It's something that he contrived, and he gives to us, and he says, now I want you to ex ex exert that, and I want you to bring life to those around you. <clears throat> Recently, I've just been really challenged in my heart, way more than more than challenged, there's something awoken in my heart to see the confirmation of the gospel take place. The confirmation of the gospel is this, signs, miracles, and wonders. Jesus said, all those who believe on me, he says, 
These signs will follow them. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will prophesy. They'll, they'll be divinely protected. So he says, you know, and they drink poison. No one's going to drink poison. But he says, in other words, you're divinely protected. And he talks about serpents. And that, I, I, this is where I take from the serpents. I don't think that we should be grabbing serpents and, not, and trying to test the Lord and see if they'll kill us. But there is a serpent that we should have dominion over. And there's a serpent that he's given us dominion over. That we could take up that serpent and cast that serpent out. And it cannot hurt us any longer because we have something that he can never touch. We have something that exerts dominion over him. And this is the promise of Jesus to his believers. You see, there's, I believe there is revival going to be happening and is happening and is going to be happening really soon in a very big way. But I believe this, the revival is not going to be how we've seen revival. How we've seen revival historically is we've seen where a church or a house or a place blows up and where a single man or woman or person, what God initiated and used that, and the, and the people come and they flow, and it's been fantastic. But this revival, I believe, is about to take place. It's not going to be in one location with one person. But it's going to be the church, the body of Christ, being awoken up into her identity of who she is and actually operating in it. And taking those things, because you see, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, many, many, for many uh, occasions, there's a lot of chaos, disorder, and destruction. There's a lot of death in these areas. And God has filled us as his bride, and he's coming back for a bride that is fully mature, that is equally yoked with him. And this bride, I believe, is rising up. In individuals, and the revival is not going to be in one church. It's going to be in multiple churches across the earth. I was just this morning, just today, with two brothers from down the street, from a, from a Baptist church who have just been recently uh, been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, <laughs> speaking in tongues, prophesying, healings. Didn't even know this stuff existed. And God's blowing them up. And I know the guys at the station placed them in their place because, in the, where they're at, not to leave that place, but God wants to ignite that whole congregation to end the things of what they were created for, what we were saved for. See, we were not saved just to get to heaven. We were saved to be in heaven's presence here on earth and to may have that. And guess what? We have it now. This is not, that, that part's a reality now. There's coming a day the whole earth's going to be filled with it. But guess what? This whole earth right here, you follow me, this dust can be full of it now. And that's what he's given to us, to you and to I. Just today we went out and uh, we did this thing called a little treasure hunt. And uh, what that is is we're basically asking the Lord, Lord, give us, who do you want us to speak to? Where do you want us to go? We want to go amongst the people and bring life. We want to bring order. We want to bring beauty and strength. We want to bring those things. We want to be your image bearers. We want to do what you do. And me and these two brothers, and I took my daughter, Grace, um, because Grace, she's 11 years old, and uh, just recently, she, uh, this whole last year during the wintertime, she had eczema on her hand and it was burning her hand. It's just a rash that, that would flare up in the cold when it was really cold, and it would hurt her badly. She would uh, many times begin crying because it hurt her. Um, and then about a month or two ago, one of her little friends, same age, 11 or 12, said, you know what, I want to pray for you. She said, okay. She prayed for her, and the eczema was gone. She hasn't had it since. <laughs> and so I told my daughter, I told my kids, hey, I'm going to go out with, with these new friends of mine, and we're going to go, we're going to go pray for people, we're going to heal the sick, and we're going to see what happens. 
And she's like, Dad, can I go? I'm saying, yes, you could go. Come on. So I took her. I loved it. And so she comes. She's 11 years old with me. And these two guys, and, and the Lord gives us Gwinnett Medical Center. So this morning we're down in Gwinnett Medical Center. And uh, this is how we got it. I felt this an impression on my heart. We were praying, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? I feel that impression. And uh, so one of them asked, hey, guys, where are we going? So I'm like, I think this is where, we, I don't know, we go over here. And the other guy pipes up. He says, that's the exact place I was just thinking or the Lord gave to me that we should go there. We're like, whoa, okay, that's probably where we should go. So we go there, and we're asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do? And what, this is what we're doing. We're asking the Lord, where's your treasure? Who are the ones that you're looking for? Because Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a, like a man who went searching for a pearl. Jesus is searching for pearls. He has pearls all over our community. And he's searching, and he's using us. He wants to use us to find them. That's the fun part. They're the treasure. And we're asking, so Lord, and so we, get, we, we go around, we begin praying. We actually end up in the, in, in the in, um, uh, uh, no, I won't say NICU, it's not that. Uh, ICU, thank you. ICU, we end up in ICU room 202, pray for this guy, Joseph. And I'm pretty sure he thought, because he was sort of not all there, he was in ICU, he was um, um, breathing heavily, but he couldn't open his eyes. So we just walked in, and I just introduced myself. I said, hey, my name is Gabriel. I'm thinking, And there's three of us, all tall, white guys. <laughs> tall, you know, probably glowing a little white or something. I'm like, I just want to pray for you. The Lord sent us to you to pray for you. <laughs> so we pray for him. But here's, the, here, here's where the treasure came. This was where it's powerful. We ended up praying for three or four or five people. Um, but it came down, there was this young guy. His, his, his grandmother was in uh, ICU. And um, we begin to talk with him. He's 22 years old. We share the gospel with him. We just share about this life. We share about what God's created us for and, and that we were looking for treasures. And it's funny because he actually had a silver treasure coin on that he wore around his neck. It was a, a Spanish uh, silver coin that his father had given to him because uh, they loved searching for treasures, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, so we begin to share with him. He said, he told us, you know, he's like, I never liked church. I was never into that type of stuff. He's up in Detroit and flipping houses. And actually what he does, he flips houses uh, to, uh, to uh, sell it to people that want to uh, grow marijuana because it's legal up there now. But uh, he said, yeah, I flip houses and all that stuff. And then he tells us what it's like. And I just felt the Lord say this. He says, yeah, Jesus wants to flip your house right now. <laughs> he wants to come in right now and flip your house and turn it around. And we began to pray for him, and he began to he began to perspire all over his body. He's like, "Yeah, I want this." So I want the real thing. We began to pray, and he received Jesus Christ. He got the he got it this morning. He was the treasure. Now I tell that story, not because any of us were awesome. I tell that story is because when we actually exert our dominion over places to bring life, beauty, and strength and honor. Life happens, and we actually are living our full purpose, the reason why we got saved. Not to go to church, but to be the church. To go out and spread the light and spread the life where it's chaos and disorder. And when people see us, they, first, they get to see Jesus, and then we get to tell them, guys, it gets better than this because there is a man coming back. He's going to rule and reign, and the whole earth is going to be filled with this. And there's going to be no more sickness, no more disease, and that's what's going to be happening. You want to repent of your sins and follow Jesus? And guess what? They'll say, yeah, I think I want that. I want in on this. Because it's not about a theology. It's about a reality that we get to, we get to give to people. People don't need a theology. They need experience. They need to see it. They need to taste it and feel it. And you and I have been given that 
treasure inside of us. And so tonight, well, I think we might be out of time. I don't know where our time we at. I could just keep talking and talking. I want us to stand together, and I want to activate us in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to activate you in your identity as a child of God. You see, a child does what their father does. I took my daughter out to follow me and to do what we, what, what we do. And you know what she was telling me the whole time? Especially as we're talking to that guy, and he's like, yeah, I want this. This is, this, uh, you know, he just wouldn't stop. She comes to me, she's like, Dad, this is so cool. Dad, this is, I'm like, I know it's so cool, isn't it? She's like, Dad, this is so cool. Guys, our dad is super cool, and he does really cool things, and we could do it with him. And so what I want us to do, I want to just, I just felt tonight that we, that the Lord wanted just to activate us because this revival that is coming, what is happening with this merge is not just a thing about us. It's a thing about our region, a thing about our nation, and ultimately it's a testimony of what's to come when Jesus returns. And I want to activate us. And so what I want us to do, I, 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 this is, I've never done this before, so I really don't have the plan. This is my plan. And you can bear with me because I don't think we need to have a, we need to have a structure plan. We need to have hearts that are saying yes to Jesus. Yes to what he has and what, 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 uh, uh, what his promise is for us. And this is his promise. That all of those who will tell people and preach the gospel, these signs will follow them. Anyone will tell the good news. You were created for glory and honor. You were created for life. You were created for eternity. You were created for love. You were created to make an impact on this earth. You were created for that. And there's one man that can do it. It's Jesus Christ. And if you receive him, you can have the fullness of what you were created for. You'll have the down payment. And there is coming that day when he will return and he will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea with the knowledge of his glory, the knowledge of who he is. He's a good father. He's a good God. Ask of me, he says, and I will give you, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. Anyone who asks of me, I will give them the Holy Spirit. Anybody that believes that I am good and that I'm not distant, anybody that believes that I created you for purpose, I created you in my image, he says, I will give it to you. I will give you that identity. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. So if that's you, let's do this. Let's just lift our hands as a sign. Just to say, God, we surrender. Give it to us. Fill us. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with life. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may be powerful witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Come Lord Jesus. Come. Come Lord Jesus. We receive it. We receive. Activate us, Father. Give us courage where we lack courage. God, give us vision where we lack vision. God, let us see the story and let us see our part. Show us our part, Father. Show us. Lord, that we may not waste time and waste life, but Lord, we will have life with purpose, with meaning, impact. Oh, Lord, we say yes as a congregation. We say yes as a people. We say yes to this merge. We say yes to what you want to do in Gwinnett County. We say yes to the racial reconciliation with one race. We say yes, Lord, to order and life and beauty that you've created for us to be partners with you, image bearers. We say yes, 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 yes. 
Yes. If you have a burning desire and you have a yearning inside you, says, I want to do that. I want to give life to my domain. I want to spread what God has given to me and bring order and life. And I want to bring a, be an image bearer of my Father. And you're feeling that yearning. I don't know if this. I don't think this is for everybody. I think there's some specific people in your gut. You say, This is what I was made for. I don't want to just do church anymore. I want to be the church. I want more. If that's you, I want to invite you to come up. We're going to pray. We're going to lay hands and pray together. If you have that yearning, that groaning inside of you, say, I don't want to do, continue to do life. I, I know I was made for more, and I want to experience that. We're going to pray together. You are a child and a daughter of God. God doesn't use hot shots. He uses humbled hearts. He uses contrite spirits. He uses those who will just say yes, and he uses those that know that their father is good, that he loves them. Yes, 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 yes. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters. Father, we are your sons and daughters. We know you to be good. We know you to be good. We know you to be good. We know you to be faithful. 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 We know you to be good, Lord. We know you to be faithful. We know you to be good. We know you to be powerful. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. You're a God with order and life. Lord, we declare who you are. We declare we'll not stop declaring that you are good. We'll not stop declaring that you are great. Lord, that you are lovely and beautiful, that there's none like you, that you're always faithful, you're always near, you're always in touch. You're not distant. You're not what the accuser says. Lord, you're not unfaithful. Lord, you are good. And we declare that. You are faithful and good, Lord. You are faithful and good, Lord. We are your children. Oh, activate, 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 activate.